Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey everybody, Robert Evans here. And for the last two years, Behind the Bastards listeners have funded the Portland Diaper Bank, which provides diapers for low-income families. Uh, Last year, y'all raised more than $21,000, which was able to purchase 1.1 million diapers for children and families in need in 2021. Um, And this year, we're trying to get $25,000 raised for the Portland Diaper Bank. Uh, which is going to allow us to help even more kids. So um, if you want to help, you can go to BTB Fundraiser for PDX Diaper Bank at GoFundMe. Just type in GoFundMe, BTB Fundraiser for PDX Diaper Bank. Again, that's GoFundMe, BTB Fundraiser for PDX Diaper Bank, or find the link in the show notes. Thank you all. Ah. Behind the Bastards. That's how I would say the show's name if we were drive time radio DJs. Uh, 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 I'm really glad glad we're not. This this life of podcasting with me, get up at 5 a.m. every morning and talk to people on their. Well, it's uh, uh, a horn dog and the apple here with you to do (laughs) our morning butts day travel thing. Here's a fart sound. (laughs) That that, that could be us, Shireen. That could be how we live our lives. Anything for you, Robert. Anything. I like, would like quit. kings. We'll both get really addicted <laughs> to cocaine. Like... I mean, Shireen, problematically addicted to cocaine, and then I'll OD and have to go to the hospital, and then I'll become a born again Christian, and I'll start another radio show, but it's super racist and yeah. right wing, and then I'll become a congressman, and then the vice president of the United States. That's the logical timeline and route of any white man. Yeah. So I'm gonna 
That's like like the shirt I wear every day. I'm gonna just pence it. <laughs> Robert, oh. Robert, Robert. What? Oh, Everybody, we all love we all love our former vice president, Michael uh-huh. Pence. Yeah, bless God, bless. Well, mm. pin in that. Um, I mean, uh, so, yeah, we're just talking about how God isn't real. Come on, that's an obvious joke. We were just talking about how Charles Taylor has invaded Liberia. I mean, <sighs> okay. Or is like carrying out a liberation, freedom, civil war, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, he's mm-hmm. got his troops. They're taking more and more of the country. Um, and there's other warlords and there's other people like fighting against the government. Like it's not all Charles Taylor, but his forces are like gradually advancing on the capital. Mm-hmm. And as they advance on the capital in April of 1990, one of the places 19, they advance I was on, born in April of 1990. Oh, well, this is that happening was, during when you're a little baby. Little that baby is Shireen. so recent and weird. Little baby Shireen. Little baby, Little baby Charles Taylor's liberation forces <laughs> reaching the outskirts of the Firestone rubber plantation. Mm-hmm. Now, the guy in charge of it, this dude Insminger, who's again like the the expat, the white dude who's like running this plantation. Um, he 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 sends out a message to all of the Liberian, like the indigenous workers who live on the plantation, and he's like, "Don't worry, be calm. There's nothing to fear." He says repeatedly, like, um, "I'm not." you know, worried about uh, what's going to happen. Um, the the rebels, you know, aren't going to fuck with you. Like, everything's fine. Keep right on working. Um, now, you want to guess if he's saying the same thing to the expats, the white workers who live there with their families? Mm, I don't like where this is going. He sends them a confidential letter saying, due to the current unstable political situation in Liberia, we believe it is prudent to plan for the worst case scenario. Uh, He tells them to pack emergency supplies, to fill up their cars, to meet at secret rally points in case of an evacuation. Uh, And he states, the information contained in this memo, even the very existence of this memo, should not be discussed with persons covered by it. Um, He also sends home the wives and children of all the expats who work there. So, here's the cool thing. Wish I was surprised. Um, they're fine. Because again, Charles Taylor, also not a stupid person. I don't want to. He's, he's, like, he, but he invented he, Converse. He did. After inventing Converse, he invades Liberia and he's like, I'm not going to murder a bunch of like white people working at the Firestone. That's not good for me. Like, that's going to piss off all of these governments that I yeah. don't particularly want angry at yeah, me right bad now. For while the I'm brand. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like, that's the kind of thing that's going to get dough a bunch mm-hmm. of weapons from the yeah. whoever, right? Like, you don't want to murder. So he has, I don't think he ever had any intention of harming the expats working there just because it wouldn't have been a smart thing to do. But this has become an ethnic war at this point, right? Doe is massacring the eth- members of ethnic groups that are opposed to him. Uh, Taylor is massacring Kron and members of like other allied, uh, like ethnic groups that are allied with Doe and his regime, right? So when Charles Taylor's forces reach the Firestone Plantation, they start picking out all of the people who are members of these groups that are their enemies and massacring them. Quote from ProPublica. The first person the rebels killed after crossing the river, according to several witnesses, was a mentally handicapped man. He was gunned down in the street. Next, the rebels began hunting down people who belonged to tribes closely associated with the ruling regime. Kevin Estel, a British expatriate who was Firestone's agricultural operations manager, recalled seeing piles of dead bodies of Liberians lying outside the Harbell supermarket. He was told the rebels had executed the men in public because they were from a rival tribe. They had been stitched, riddled with bullets from AK-47, straight up and down their bodies, he said. They they were left in the street, their bodies swelling in the sun. So Graphic. that's good for Firestone. Like, hey, you guys are fine. Don't worry about it. White people, get the fuck yeah, out. Exactly. Like, yeah. pretty messed up. That's pretty, pretty bad up. stuff. God, 
fucking white people. Well, I would say so. I would say none of that's good behavior. I would say both abandoning your workers, not telling them they're in danger, only protecting the white people. Yeah. Should we boycott Firestone? Why why do I know this? I think there are things we do should to Firestone property that would be good, but boycotting, I don't know if that's the most effective thing that could be I mean, done. I, I, went, I've gone there a bunch of times. I, don't, mm-hmm. I didn't know this blood diamond history, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Make a Molotov out of a Chuck Taylor Converse <laughs> and huck it through the window of a Firestone tire store. Deal. Um, okay. So, yeah, uh, when Charles Taylor invaded Liberia, his, prob- his plan probably was not to spark the building of a series of child militias filled with drug-addled and heavily armed kids. But it kind of happens as the invasion proceeds, right? Mm-hmm. Once his forces are in country, they're engaging with Doe's forces, he's running up into shortages of manpower. The decision to arm kids just becomes militarily pragmatic. Mm. So at this point, Doe has spent like the half decade he's been in power sending his military to different provinces and killing all of the men he can find, raping most of the women and then often killing them too, right? Um, And as a result, there's a shitload of angry, starving orphans in Liberia, you know, whose parents got murdered by the regime. Now, if you're Charles Taylor, you're always short of dudes to hand guns. um, What's a great source of manpower but a bunch of like 12 year old kids who were pissed off because their families died. Yeah. Um, if anything, so, they're like, they're yep. potentially more loyal because you're giving they're them very like, loyal. Yeah. Cause there's purpose th- and a family is starving and yeah. they need an authority figure. Yeah. Uh, Charles Taylor provides both. So he gives these kids guns and he gives them cocaine. Um, and other drugs, but cocaine is the big one. Because, man, mm-hmm. let me tell you, I mean, this is just something I've learned a lot. If you want to get a child to fight for you, you got to give them a lot of cocaine. It's good to That's know. That's the best way to get kids to fight with you. It's good to know. Uh, or for you. Um, whatever. Both, really. So these kids had been exposed to the culture of human sacrifice and corpse desecration engaged in by the most prominent and powerful adults in their world. Again, these kids grow up seeing all of seeing yeah. both kind of the president signpost aspects of this. And then after the Civil War, they see all of these warlords doing this yeah. shit. I mean, they're beyond traumatized. You can only imagine yeah. what they saw before their very well, eyes all they, the time. They're, it's not, it's more than traumatized. Certain aspects of this have become normalized. This mm. is what you do right. in a war. This is what you do to exert power, right? Mm-hmm. And to take power for yourself, to protect yourself. These are practices you engage in. So as Taylor's men take more and more of the country, journalists start to see roadblocks manned by small boys units um, draping their command posts with the bones and guts of slaughtered enemies and civilians for like ritual purposes to Mm. protect themselves. Um, Doe responds in the predictable way by handing guns out to Kron kids and kids of any other allied ethnic groups in Monrovia and sending them out in ad hoc death squads and platoons to attack Taylor soldiers who by late 1990 are laying siege to the capital. Uh, These children that Doe arms in the city become known as the 1990 soldiers. At one point, they attack a Lutheran church that's filled with members of rival ethnic groups, uh, and using axes and machetes, they murder more than 600 refugees from these kind of ethnic groups that are seen as being opposed to the president. Mm -hmm. Um, Like like kids just massacring 600 people with axes. And again, these are like, some of them are like 10, like 9 and 10, like little kids often. Yeah. Um, so Taylor has a lot of initial international support for obvious reasons, but it becomes quickly obvious that he is just as vicious as Doe, right? There is not a real moral difference between these two right. dudes. Right. Um, men that Liberian, want power will do anything. 
Yeah, Liberian expat pet positions like Ellen Sirleaf, who had supported Taylor initially, quickly dropped him. And she'll get, like, attacked later on because she helps fund him early. The Economist? Is this where we're talking yeah, about? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But also, like, you know, he didn't start off doing some of the shit he would later do. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to weigh in on that too much. But uh, so the good doe, Jackson Doe, tries to join up with Charles Taylor's forces at one point, And Taylor, like, uses him a little bit as like a billboard. Like, look at us. You know, we're legitimate. This guy really won the election. He's on our side. But then a couple of weeks later, Jackson Doe disappears and nobody knows what happens to him. Probably because Taylor's like, well, I don't actually I'm going to be the president. Right. So you're, let's get you're, rid of you're this guy. Needed here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not really needed. You're not really useful here so as all this killing continues um the world just kind of watches on in shock Mm -hmm. taylor's forces gradually box doe into pretty much just controlling the capital um and his overthrow is only halted by the arrival of an international military mission made up by soldiers from west african states although nigeria is basically 100 percent of the effort and it's more or less nigeria intervening in order to try and have things work out in a way that's best for Nigeria, right? That's often what you'll hear people claim, at least. Right. So it's because this, like the, Doe connected to the U.S. and Nigeria also wants some. Yeah, there's a number of, of reasons. I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna attempt yeah, to lay yeah. into like. But yeah, this supposedly international mission is primarily Nigeria, okay. and it's primarily Nigerian forces. So they set up shop in the capital to like monitor things and try to negotiate a peace between Taylor's forces and the rebel uh, Taylor's forces and Doe's, or the the different rebel groups dominated by Taylor and Doe. Um, but this isn't really doesn't go anywhere because none of the belligerents are really willing to discuss any kind of peace as long as Doe remains in the country and Doe's not willing to leave. And so the situation is stymied once again until on September 9th, 1990, President Doe gets in his motorcade to visit the International Military Mission's headquarters. And through a comedic series of errors, he winds up captured by troops from the AFL, which is the party that Charles Taylor is a member of. Now, the AFL splits in two at one point, and Taylor is in charge of a bunch of the troops. And then another guy named Prince Johnson, who is a warlord, is like in control. He's like also a major warlord in this period, right? So these guys are in the party that Taylor's affiliated with, but they're under the command of this other warlord, Prince Johnson. Okay. And I'm going to quote from the Liberian Civil Wars. The events that followed were captured on film by a Palestinian journalist representing a Middle Eastern news agency, the result of which was a snuff film that later found its way into circulation all across West Africa. The sequence opens with Prince Johnson seated at a desk, a can of Budweiser beer in his hand and a string of hand grenades slung around his neck. Opposite him, seated on the floor and dressed only in underwear, with his arms and legs tightly bound, was Samuel Doe. A rambling interrogation followed, interspersed with him singing in prayer as Prince Johnson and an audience of his men grew steadily more inebriated. Doe could be heard pleading for his arms to be loosened and appealing for brotherhood, while jeers and general conversation punctuate the background scenes. Then, at a certain point, Johnson thumped the desk and ordered Doe's ear to be cut off. Doe was held down by several men as one man armed with a knife cut off his ears as he wailed and thrashed on the floor. And so it continued. The torture went on between bouts of muddled interrogation and snippets of discussion of Doe's potential to escape, despite his condition, thanks to his juju power. Death, no doubt, came slowly, and it is generally accepted that he died in the early hours of September 10th. Wow. So, pretty nasty. Also, pretty similar to how the last guy goes out, to how Doe kills the last president, right? That's a good right? point. That's a very good so, throwback, yes. Liberia, at this point, when you've had two presidents get tortured and executed by the guy who takes over after them, that's not a good precedent, right? No, that's not a good track <laughs> record, I would say. 
Um, like, look, the U.S. has had some a complicated history with democracy. I don't want to get up on our high horse, but I think it's fair to say that's not an ideal transition of power. Mm-mm, you know, mm-mm, that's no. not the best way that can go. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, just recently remembered how you opened up this entire story about someone named Butt Naked. And I'm mm-hmm. so curious how we're going to land oh, yeah. there. Uh, General Butt Naked's coming, baby. Okay, okay. I um, I would love... Yeah, yeah that's, that was he's a graphic He's not fucking... as fun a figure as you're thinking right now. Well, <sighs> I know you know, because I told you he's not. I know, like, I he's just... He's not as fun as he sounds. Right, okay, fine, um, fine, fine. So, you might think this would have been the end of things, hopefully, but obviously it... it the violence just continues. Taylor's victory against Doe sets off a six-year period of kind of free-for-all civil warfare. Now, Taylor is in charge in the capital for much of this, but Mm -hmm. the capital city and a lot of the country gets split up by this patchwork of different militia units. They're all allied to different strongmen. All of them call themselves generals. Some of them are in charge of armies that have thousands of guys. Some of them is just like a couple of dozen dudes, right? They all call themselves generals. Most of these guys are pretty young. You're talk, we're talking in like their 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, none have formal military experience. Some of them had been in the Liberian military. A lot of them are just like fucking dudes who join militias during the early stage of the Civil War and wind up, you know, in charge of units. Um, at this point, and, are you, are you, I know no one has all the answers, but like, is, is Taylor like revered or like, oh, this person he is saved feared. us? No. He's feared? No. Because the violence never ends. Okay. Like nobody likes Doe, but like Taylor's not bringing peace to Liberia. I, yeah. Know? I just, in I, some areas, like what's some the vibe people, there? I, I, he is definitely very popular among members of ethnic groups that had been purged by Doe. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does not obviously the country kind of falls apart into this massive civil war afterwards. So he's not like widely seen as legitimate, you okay, know? Okay. Um, and of all these different warlords and generals and whatnot, basically, since they don't have much in the way of military experience, their understanding of war and how to prosecute it comes from American action movies. Um, of course. Not, it's a mix of like, it's a mix of American action movies. The own, like the trauma they remember from being like 12 and seeing the early days of the war, right? Yeah. Uh, and then myths they kind of remember from childhood about like different indigenous practices. And as an adult, they adopt noms de guerre for themselves that are a dizzying mix of awesome and nonsense. Famous rebel leaders included General Chuck Norris, General One Foot Devil, General Mosquito, General Mosquito Spray, and of course the guy we're going to spend most of this episode discussing. General butt naked. So that's where that. Of course, it's a yes. child. Fucking yeah, yeah they're fucking yeah. like kids, man. Yeah. They're like I mean, like twenty or something. But no, like but they like, were kids no. when the fighting started. In many cases, I, I think it's if you would most likely get stunted at that age. You know what I mean? There's only so much. Uh, yeah, and developing you do when you're so tra- you're traumatized so young and so. I don't know. Yeah, it, this is th- by the time Taylor is in power, this is a civil war that's all being fought by kids who probably don't have a ton of memories from before shit started to go really yeah. vi- get really violent. Yeah, that's all they know through things. Yeah. So General Butt Naked's real name was Joshua Milton Blahi. Uh, He was born on September 30th, 1971, as a member of the Sarpo tribe. One source I found, the credibly named MysteriousUniverse.org, gives this description of his upbringing. And obviously, I'm going to explain why uh, this is largely bullshit, but I want to read this because it gives you an idea of how kind of like popularly and more in like less credible, but like 
main, not mainstream, but like uh, one of the ways, like the way in which people talk about this guy's background okay. most commonly, even though it's not accurate. Okay. Quote, as he grew, he was just another boy like so many in the world. Somewhat rebellious, yes, but there was no clue as to the darkness and atrocities that lay ahead on his path to the future. His childhood would diverge from the norm when at the tender age of 11, he was made a tribal priest after an initiation ceremony in the forest. Blayi would claim during his initiation ritual, he had a strange and terrifying vision in which he says the devil came to him and proclaimed him to be a great warrior who could gain vast supernatural power if only he were to cack practice cannibalism and perform human sacrifices and his life would change dramatically after this now these are lies uh joshua milton blyey general butt naked is a huge liar the mysterious universe thing is based heavily on a book that he wrote oh after he became a born-again christian oh his book titled the redemption of an african warlord is a pretty standard redemption narrative you see a lot of evangelical pre- i used to be a satanic priest sacrificing babies and oh, then you know, it was like a huge thing and like especially during like the satan actually this exact period the satanic panic is hitting in the united states and you're oh. getting a a lot of these like people being like, oh, I was a devil worshiper and then I found Jesus Christ. Damn. Blayi's narrative is like the same thing. One of the differences, though, is that he absolutely murders little kids. He, he kills a shitload of people and right. does a bunch of like anyway. So, so wait, it, what you're saying is he runs this website. <laughs> no, no, this was just kind of I'm based kidding. on. Yeah, so Blayi claims to have en- en- engaged from an early age in elaborate nightmare acts of child sacrifice to gain powers. Like even as a little kid, he says he's doing this as the priest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part's and, true. Like, well, no, because he's not a child priest. Um, but he's see, committing. What? But like he's doing fucked up things. It, it, no, as an adult. He is claiming that at age 11, he becomes a priest and learns human visits okay. by the devil and starts sacrificing people. That's pretty certainly not true. There's right. basically one good article about this guy that I found. It's called The Greater the Sinner. It's in The New Yorker. It's written by Damon Tabor. Um, and a lot of reporters who aren't Tabor get kind of taken in and charmed by Blahi. He's a very charming guy. Tabor talked to his family, though, and among other things, he he pretty easily punctures the myth that Blahi was some sort of child murder priest. Quote, Harrison Shine Challer, another of Blayi's half-brothers, told me that he had been unaware of Blayi's life as a priest. As far as Challer knew, Blayi was merely a rebellious youth. Their mother would give him money to buy food for the family, and he would disappear into the streets of Monrovia for weeks at a time. He left school after the third grade and later sold Kool-Aid and chicken soup at a local market, wearing a purple necktie, purple shirt, purple trousers, and purple shoes so people would recognize him. He then moved on to drug trafficking and robbery. Sometimes, Challer said, he and Blayi worked together. A Nigerian sold once asked Blayi to help him gain spiritual powers. Blayi prescribed a witchcraft treatment, an enema, and while the soldier was indisposed, Challer stole his money. So mm. this, I think, is a more credible version of his right. backstory. Yeah. He is a con man. He knows how to. He's always thinking about an angle. He wants to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he will get into this more later, but I think he adopts this very American Christian but although not just because Liberian Christianity has a lot in common with like the revival bat, like you see a lot of the same things over there. These revival meetings, speaking in tongues, they have as much acclaim to it as Americans do, obviously, because, um, again, they're started out as a colony. But that's what he's doing. When you hear about these crazy stories of like him sacrificing babies for yeah. magical powers, that's what he's doing. Yeah, it's all part doing, of the which, con. He is also... As a warlord, as we're going to get to, he commits a lot of crimes against humanity. Do not get me wrong. This is a very complicated story for that reason. 
So again, in order to puncture his claims about his early life, um, Tabor also goes on to note that while witchcraft and human sacrifice are a part of some indigenous beliefs in West Africa, nothing like the sort of child priesthood that Blahi describes, where he's like picked to be the tribe priest at 11 and mm-hmm. has to carry a sacrifice, nothing like, like anthropologists have found no evidence of anything like that existing in indigenous li- societies and or, 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 like communities in Liberia. Quote, David Brown, a social anthropologist who has worked in Liberia since the 1970s, said that he had never heard of a secret society that matches Blahi's description. I spoke with many other experts who agreed. One called Blahi's story ludicrous. And again, part of what he's playing on here is the fact that white people are willing to believe any kind of shit I was you, you say, tell about this stuff, right? I was right? going to say, like, that's why yeah. it's so many people bought into it. They were just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this, this, these cultures are crazy mm-hmm. and it's savage. Of course that would happen. Yeah. And you know what else white people are always willing to believe in, Shireen? Yeah. Uh, capitalism. Uh, and the products and services that support this podcast. All backed heavily by white people. <laughs> oh, God. I so what that was I, I mean that was it, too real I mean yeah I did mm-hmm. not enjoy that at all well at all sometimes sometimes things happen and they can't be stopped the evidence keeps pouring in at this point the facts are undeniable it's an open and shut case Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams, constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games, timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards, and there's so many rewards to discover, rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com behind. That's mintmobile.com behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. 
So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. We're back from ads. So we're talking about Milton Blahi. So Blahi now claims that when Sergeant Doe took control, and this is, again, I'm going to be talking a lot about things he claims about his backstory. I will tell you when it's true. I think it's true. Okay, right? Okay. So okay. one of the things Blahi claims is that when Sergeant Doe took control of the country, right, back in the 80s, he was Doe's official spiritual advisor. That's, That's already, what Blahi that, that already claims. sounds like bullshit. Absolute. There's no evidence of this. A lot of casual write-ups of of, of General Butt-Naked will say it, it will either <laughs> just say that, that he was or that he, sometimes they'll say he claims. I don't think they put enough emphasis on the fact that, like, there's no fucking evidence of this. Yeah. Um, one source claims he did black magic to help Doe win, win election or re-election, which is not true. Doe did not win re-election. He burned people's ballots and yeah. he committed genocides. Um, I don't know. He was he does get affiliated with doe at some point it's not impossible they did some sort of like maybe they said hello together. No, no, but no, again, no. the idea yeah. that like he was his spiritual i just have not seen hard evidence of it um but to give you an idea of more of the lurid claims made about blahi during the doe period of time in liberia i'm going to quote again from mysteriousuniverse.org <laughs> you can tell that's a credible site yeah 100 percent he would get involved as a high priest of a secret cult that practiced black magic, human sacrifice, and worshipped a god called Nyanbe Awe, who he believed was actually the devil. During this time, he claims he regularly talked to the devil, as well as displayed many supernatural powers, such as invisibility, flight, and immunity to bullets. And he was already accustomed to the sight of blood due to the monthly sacrifices he helped carry out. But it would not be until civil war came to Liberia that he would truly carve out his legacy as a ruthless, frightening force to be reckoned with, and truly earned his moniker, the most evil man in the world he just made himself into like a superhero villain that's yeah like, he, he kind of does yeah that's absurd mm -hmm. and he is a really bad dude don't get me wrong but like uh, we'll, we'll we'll continue so yeah when it comes to the question of what did this guy actually do right what is his real background? Things are a lot murkier. Many sources will say that he will kind of just because he calls himself a general will assume he was a major military leader. He was certainly well known. Um, he was infamous within the city of Monrovia, which is where he was active, right? And where a lot of the fighting is occurring. A lot of people were, knew him in Monrovia. But basically all good documented evidence of him as the warlord general but naked is pretty much just 1996, right? Now, he's fighting, he's involved in different militias to some extent prior to that, but really his his career is butt naked is like one year. Okay. Now, and that's when he's 25, if I get the math right. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Now, based on what his brother said, we can assume he probably spends the early year, like while Doe is in power, he's probably mostly like smuggling drugs, doing some mid-level scams and crimes. He's he's not Kron, but he's like an ethnicity that is kind of allied with Doe's Mm -hmm. with the Kron, with like those people. So he does, when when the Civil War starts, 
he joins a militia that's allied with Doe's political party, and he fights on that side of the conflict of Taylor. So he's on the losing side of the initial stage of the Civil War, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and when Doe gets killed, Blahi joins a militia called the United Liberation Movement of Liberia for Democracy, which is made up of former soldiers in Doe's army and other Kron. Um, Charles Taylor is the big enemy that Blahi and all of his fellows were fighting. And by the mid-1990s, Taylor had turned the process of making child soldiers into something of a science. Taylor's small boys units numbered thousands of kids and were made up mostly of orphans who swore allegiance to Popeye, as they called him, like Popeye, I think like Papa. Uh, and he would have to prove, and he would have some prove their loyalty by killing their parents. Wow. Uh, because they were so loyal and impressionable and drugged up, they made excellent shock troops from a write-up in ProPublica. He presented himself as a Baptist who neither smoked nor drank. A mesmeric speaker, he would appear before adoring crowds dressed in fine white linen, spouting promises of democracy, jobs, and better days. At other times, he wore camouflage and carried an AK-47. He would talk to the radio to announce the impending capture of a nearby town, then magically do it. For many in Liberia, the spirit world remains close at hand. In such a place, Taylor became something more than a man. Mystical, powerful, otherworldly. So this is the guy that Blaye is is fighting against, right? Right. So he starts in the mid 1990s. It's probably I, mean, I, I don't think I'm not going to say he was only butt naked for a year, but like he starts to like go from just being a guy involved in the civil war to a militia leader in kind of the mid 90s mm -hmm. when he starts recruiting children himself. Um, mostly kids who are like nine to ten, some who are like older in their teens, but like a lot of the kids he's recruiting are little kids. Um, and he he has them fight naked, and he fights naked. Um, Blahi claimed that this was because being naked made his magical powers more effective. He could go invisible and he could avoid bullets more easily. And one thing people point out is that like he legitimately was fighting in a bunch of battles naked. There's video of him naked with guns and like fighting, killing people Whoa. with machetes and stuff. And he doesn't get shot. Like he is, Damn. it's one of those things. Um, you can see how a mystique builds around this guy. Cause yeah, he and his, his kids are fighting nude, but also like they're winning a lot of yeah. the time, you know, in these like, these are like street fights with guns. So, you know, they're I mean, like, very yeah, it, low, like not, we're not talking like tanks and shit fighting each other. It helps you know? his narrative being like, he doesn't need yeah. armor. He doesn't need anything. Well, they don't have, we'll talk about that in a bit. So oh, he no. and his soldiers, they'll fight nude. They're also, he's mashing cocaine up into the foods of these kids in his unit oh, to like make them fight better. God, um, I, feel, I really feel for all these children that were Oh, it's a, Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they massacre the shit out of anyone they see as an enemy. A write-up from ABC notes, Blahi had a reputation for being more brutal than other military leaders. Everyone knows his nom de guerre, General Butt Naked. He was a cannibal who, prefers to, who preferred to sacrifice babies because he believed their death promised the greatest amount of protection. He went into battle naked, wearing only sneakers and carrying a machete because he believed it made him invulnerable. And he was, in fact, never hit by a bullet. His soldiers would make bets on whether a pregnant woman was carrying a boy or girl then they would slit open her belly to see who was right. And, uh, you know, these are things Blahi claims. A lot of it's certainly true. He has soldiers who kill a shitload of women and children. Also, that slitting open the belly of a pregnant woman, you hear that a lot as, like, claims of war crimes in stories. And often, like, I don't know the degree to which they did it. It is something he claims. A lot of things he claims are lies. God, that, that said, they do stuff that's on that level, that's documented, that's on that level of horrible. So right. it's not out of the question either. Um... 
We have footage and photos of him naked and wielding rifles and machetes. Foreign journalists reported on what he did. He's a, he was really doing some of this stuff. Yeah. Numerous Liberian civilians since the war have talked to press uh, to have talked to press about how he'd do stuff like shoot off their legs with his handgun or machete their husband to death, kill their brothers and sisters by hacking them to pieces. Um, so like. Again, this is very much like a lot of those traditional evangelical Christian narratives where they will like luridly claim to have been doing horrible satanic shit. But like mm -hmm. also he did a bunch of that. Like we right. do know like he's not making all of this up. A lot of it's documented. It's just that there's a lot of like lurid occult stuff that isn't so much documented yeah. that is more questionable. Anyway, years later, while he was testifying at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which we'll talk about more la later, he claims that how he, he talked about how he would, um he called it planting violence in his child soldiers, how he would radicalize them to fight for him. Um, and the way he would do this is he would show them American action movies like Rambo and shit. Mm. And a lot of these movies, different Hollywood movies, right? You'll see the same actors in multiple movies, right? And you'll die in one movie and then that actor will be back oh, as yeah, a character yeah, in another yeah. movie, right? So he would show them multiple movies where like kind of the same actors are playing extras or bad guys and get killed and then they're back alive in another movie. And he would explain to the, these kids that like real war works the same way. So if you kill people, they're gonna come back somewhere else. War, he call, tells them war is just an act. You're just playing a role like these, like Rambo, you know? So it's not real, so we can do whatever, you know? Wow. Um, he also testifies that when he shot and wounded enemies, he'd have his child soldiers cut them to pieces in order to desensitize them. Then they would eat and share the heart. So that's not great. For a better idea of the kind of war crimes this guy and his boys got up to, I'm gonna quote again from that ABC article. And this is based Based on interviews with a young woman who Blahi met with after the war to apologize for murdering her family. Part of why I'm reading this is like, we can, we know this is a true, like, again, a lot of the claims he's make are, aren't true. His victim is alive. Like, we can talk to her. That's why right. I'm reading this, because this is one that we know is one of the things. Are you, so doing. are you saying, like, he apologized when he was, like, doing his Christian shit? We're, we're getting to that. I want to give you an idea of one of the verified war crimes okay. we know that he was doing. A group from the Kron tribe was searching for enemies within the country, which in a civil war consists of any member of another tribe. Her older brother, Daniel, was hiding a nanny from the Geo tribe who had been working for the family for years. It'll be okay, the mother said. Faith heard the screams outside the huts as the men approached. Suddenly she saw a naked man with only a machete in his hand. Why is the man naked, she wondered. Then she saw the other men, about 25 of them, as she estimates today, carrying guns. They had heard there was a Geo woman in the village. Daniel stood in front of the nanny to protect her. She is a human being, like you and me, he said to Blahi. Blahi responded with an order. One of the boys stepped forward and chopped off her brother's foot. Then he hacked off his lower leg, followed by his thigh and his hip, methodically working his way up to bo up the body. Eventually, her brother fell silent. Blahi told everyone to lie on the ground. His men raped her mother and her sisters, and then killed them. Guai says, they didn't rape her, but they did, they didn't rape me, but they did things to me I don't want to talk about. They left me with a blemish that I will always have. At some point, Blayi said that things were moving too slowly and that there were other military operations to attend to. That was when he began to participate. Wow. So again, to be clear, we're talking about he makes a lot of claims I don't think happened. This guy is doing some hard, like yeah. nightmarish crimes against humanity. Um, real bad stuff. That's... So. Yeah, we it's can... so, oh my God, it's, I don't know, the things that humans are capable of truly are just mind melting. And the thing is, you, uh, 
you could say that if one person is capable of that, then we all are, right? If it's like, if that's what, what I just, mm, I I, like we're not all here. capable of physically participating in mass murder and rape, but we I'm are all capable that. of, we're all, for one thing, we're all capable of supporting the people who do that, yeah. which is really one of the stories that's most important from the Holocaust. Exactly. But no, I mean, it's a, just, a lot of, sorry. No, no, no. I'm just baffled by, I mean, I, I know humans have done horrible things since the dawn of humans but it's yeah. it's still so unsettling to me to really wrap well, your head around what that means we uh it's one of those things you one of the worst crimes in the holocaust was the babi Yar massacre where i think like thirty thousand jewish people are shot to death in a single day by by uh, uh german forces um a horrific horrific act probably the biggest mass shooting um of of people in history um in the same war, the United States Air Force incinerates between like 80 and 150,000 people in a single night in Tokyo, wow. knowingly killing civilians, knowing that that's yeah. most of who will die as civilians, that we're going to burn them to death by the tens of thousands. Um, which of those is a worse war crime? Well, people have strong opinions on that. But at the end of the day, both of them are the targeted killing of civilians mm -hmm. um, for different purposes, one could argue. But both are military forces using military grade weaponry to massacre civilians by the tens of thousands. Yeah, um, it's a thing that every side in a sufficiently large war, every side finds a reason to justify. And, and so I think. As lurid as the crimes of these Liberian warlords are, you get so many breathless descriptions of guys like butt naked murdering little kids and raping women and all these horrible things that happened that are worth documenting and worth discussing, but they often get talked like they are somehow separate from mm. the kinds of war crimes that we endorse, and I don't think they are. I think the, the targeting and killing and torturing and raping of civilians um, is bad, whether it's being done using missiles or being done by a man with a rifle going face to face. Yeah. I don't I don't think that the separation or that we we trade one kind of massacre for another makes a tremendous moral difference to me when you're still killing civilians. Yeah. Now, no, I agree with that 100 percent. That's a good reminder. Yeah. yeah Sometimes I, I get like one of the arguments you can make is that, well, usually when we kill civilians, it's an accident. Like that guy we I blew mean, up who, that family if, of if 10 he, in Afghanistan, right? still believe well, that. Blahi then... wanted to rape and murder these people. Yeah. We didn't want to kill that family. We just fucked up. And it's like, OK. I don't know how you want to apportion out the morality yeah. of that, you know? Yeah. No, <laughs> like, totally. I just think that's willful yeah. ignorance and just like, well, just it's just, uh, if you still believe some of that bullshit and after all this technology and all these things you can make and it's, we We can sit at home and like debate which of those is more or less a moral act. I don't know that it matters to the people getting blown up. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but whatever, like... I, I just state this because it frustrates me when, like, the fighting in Liberia and the brutality of it is seen as something exceptional rather than this is what happens when there are civil wars. Yeah, no, you it's know? very They're true. Bad. <laughs> that's very true. And maybe it's yeah. more digestible when things are just large numbers versus, like, this happened to this person. Yeah. And you yeah. can visualize it in your head, right? Or if yeah. it's like a, like a village of people... It, d it doesn't really. It, it's when I when I read a story like that of him killing this family and yeah. like repeatedly raping the women and having his soldiers do it, that is horrific and uh, uh, deeply painful to hear. In a way that if I say a U.S. airstrike killed a family of eleven, exactly, yes, yeah, so doesn't it's sound. 
Now, if I were to describe to you what shrapnel does to the bodies of little children, yeah, if you were, then perhaps you yeah. would have that reaction if you went into to detail it, you know? about what that bombing did to the bodies of these people. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's just like sometimes, especially now, we just hear all these oh, like eighteen casualties in Palestine or whatever, and it's like we're desensitized. What to does that numbers. fucking mean? Yeah, and we get these stories because they're. They seem foreign and terrifying and like they're yeah. doing magic and they're these drug-addled yeah. warlords doing these horrible things. And that's, again, this, he is committing unfathomably brutal crimes yeah. in the, on the, the, the same level of, of her, her horribleness as any like Nazi Einsatzgruppe member carried out, any mm -hmm. of these guys slaughtering their way through Russia. Like, I, I, I don't mean to mitigate what he's doing at all. I just hate that it is often portrayed as somehow separate from the history of Western warfare. No, no I hear you. That we do I hear you. It, you know? And I think it's, it's, I don't, I didn't see it as you mitigating anything. Yeah. I think it's just a good reminder to just, yeah. if you think this is bad, realize that it's just it like is, other things. But like, right? it, it, this is also not unique. So, yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, Blahi little... would later claim that as General Butt Naked, he used human sacrifice and cannibalism to gain magic powers. Quote, every town I entered, they would give me the chance to do my human sacrifices, which included innocent children. He elaborated, anytime we captured a town, I had to make a human sacrifice. They bring me a living child that I slaughter and take the heart out to eat it. I, I'm perfectly willing to believe this happens sometimes. It yeah. is worth noting. I've read a lot of accounts that journalists have had because he's now that he's for like apologized, he goes around and talks to his victims to try to get like we'll, we'll get into that more later. Mm -hmm. um, all of their stories are horrible. They're like the one I read earlier. I have not run into any of them talking about like, yeah, we had to, he sacrificed an infant in my village or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's all from him as opposed to the right. things that like his victim. So I I don't know how true it is. Yeah. They're not beyond be disbelief or whatever. It was a thing he did sometimes, but he's exaggerating how often it right, happened. Right, right. Like very unclear. It's just weird to me that like, I can come up with a lot of stories of fucked up shit we knew this guy did. And none of them are like that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. but whatever. Um, he did definitely kill a lot of civilians. He was definitely into like, magic kind of stuff which is not a lot of liberian warlords are doing different kind of witch doctor kind of stuff yeah. it's usually framed right um in the years since blahi has attempted to make amends with his victims uh and overwhelmingly I, I think most of them are men and boys although a lot of them are especially a lot of the people he does violence to that's not murder are women um there are two ways you can look at his lurid claims of committing wartime atrocities uh, either he did everything he said and literally believed he was engaging in witchcraft and gaining powers, or he was making a very rational decision based on elements of the local culture and battlefield efficacy. For one thing, people in this culture, because of what everyone else has been doing, are primed to take seriously some of these signifiers of being involved in witchcraft, being a witch doctor and whatnot. So they make people take you more seriously. Mm -hmm. um, also, if... Other people who are seen as powerful are doing sacrifices and engaging in cannibalism. Then engaging in that too makes you like he's fighting Charles Taylor and Taylor's yeah. forces are doing stuff like this. And this makes this allows him to like like you have to build yourself up into like in a mythic sense. Yeah, something as formidable as what you're fighting. Yeah, right? you're you're naked, um, not getting shot by bullets. Yeah, just like it exactly. feeds the the legend. And it's also it's worth noting in a in fighting like what's happening in Liberia. Fighting naked does not expose you to much more danger than fighting with clothing on. Okay. This is not a war. This is before people outside of like very advanced militaries have ready access to quality body armor, mm -hmm. right? It just does not exist for most people in this fighting. And a t-shirt offers no more protection from a bullet 
than than being naked. That's fair. Yeah. And in fact, it was one one thing like and this is from there were there have been forces who fought naked earlier in history, and one of the things that was noted is like, well when they would get stabbed or shot, they were less likely to die because they're not having like a filthy matted oh. fur or something pushed into an open wound, which less causes infection. Less likely to have infections. And, and this is also, yeah. what, there's not a lot of great access to medical care. So yeah. it's not, it, it, it sounds wacky and crazy. It's not as irrational a decision yeah. as it may it seem. It has its weird benefits. And also seeing a naked dude charging you is terrifying. And <laughs> as he gains a reputation from being not being able to be killed that benefit that makes people less likely to fight him people will tell stories that like whole towns would flee when you hear general butt naked is coming yeah because he's a fucking dangerous crazy person you want to get the fuck out of there right yeah, the legend that's is a, working that's a benefit for him yeah. Mili- like so again as as wild as all this sounds there are very rational reasons for everything he's doing in addition to whatever he does happen to believe um, yeah, and so again, that's just important to note that like all of the stuff that is most lurid about this makes a kind of sense as a cold-blooded military calculation. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a force multiplier, right? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's it, like a grifting. It's like a different form of like, just like yeah. how, it's just conning people in a much more yeah. intense, violent way. It, 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 I, I, what, I think what I want to point out is, again, you get a lot of ableism in this where people will describe behavior like what he's doing, like taking cocaine and fighting naked as insane. And like, this is extremely sane. He is very much acting within the strictures of the society that has evolved in Liberia over wartime. And his actions are perfectly rational within the context that he lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the evidence for that is he survives the war. Yeah. So... Um, and I, I, I tend to think he is a pretty calculating guy. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, is, unfortunately, he's not stupid. It sounds like you know. So. Yeah, no, you have to. Yeah, you, you, he's he's pra- he. I think he was a pretty pragmatic dude. Yeah. So Blahi now claims that his career as General Butt Naked ended after a battle on April sixth, or in some versions, right before a battle to take a bridge in in like April of nineteen ninety six. And he has this vision, and I'm going to quote from a write up in the New Yorker. I met Jesus there for the first time, he said. In his memoir, Blahi describes killing a child near this bridge by opening the little girl's back and plucking out her heart. Her blood was still on his hands, he told me, when he heard a voice. When I looked back, I saw a man standing there. He was so bright, brighter than the sun. The voice told him, repent and live or refuse and die. I wanted to continue fighting, but my mind never left this person. How bright he was and how passionate his words, Blahi continued. He soon quit fighting, leaving his child soldiers to fend for themselves, and he began sleeping in a pew in a nearby church. The pastor there gathered his congregation, and they asked God to strip Blahi of his demonic powers. The next day, Blahi went to see his commanding officer, handed over his weapons and amulets, and said, My new commander is Jesus Christ. I, okay, I... Um, what is the benefit? Okay, as a grifter, as a con man, what was the reason he decided? Oh like, there, there has to be a benefit are, to this. We are getting to that. Okay. So it is worth noting for context that this year, 1996, the year he claims he converted and left war behind, is also the year that there's a ceasefire in Liberia. Okay, right? that, that's a good thing to note. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is fucking exhausted. At yeah. this point, for like... 16 years basically they've been either at war or they've just been this dictator's been purging people there's been coups it's been like it's been like 15 plus years of just like constant traumatizing bullshit everyone's exhausted um and they agree like okay let's have a fucking election and we'll see if that works any better than what we've been doing um 
So Charles Taylor is like in charge in Monrovia at this point, and he decides to run for president. Um, and since violence has gotten kind of out of favor, he declares that he's been born again as a Christian. So Blahi is not is not like his rival does. His rival does gets and like starts signaling some of this witchcraft shit and like using child soldiers. Blahi does it. Charles Taylor yeah. becomes born again. Blahi, right? Like There's that's an element here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now there is widespread skepticism about Charles Taylor's claims that he's born again, um, and it's generally seen as a ploy to make himself more palatable. The next year, in 1997, he runs for presidents under the incredible slogan. He killed my ma, he killed my pa, I'll vote for him. That was not where I thought that was going. <laughs> right? That's, that's pretty, quite a, quite a presidential right. slogan, actually. Not, at least the word um, rhyme or something. Interesting. The New yeah. Yorker explains, quote, the phrase was darkly ironic. Taylor was claiming to be the only leader powerful enough to prevent another war. Right? Interesting. So, like, that's his, that's what he's saying. Is like, oh. yeah, man, I killed your fucking family. But now I've got what it the yeah. pa- the amount the might that it will take to keep Liberia peaceful. Yeah. So vote for me. Like no one else is going to uh, to to mm. to defeat me. Like this is yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he wins the election. Uh, you can either say this is because of his brilliant strategy or because <laughs> it's not not a great election. Um, election, but whatever. Again, Taylor yeah. wins or wins. You know, however you want to see it. Uh, and he immediately sets to persecuting his rivals, including Blahi. The former general butt naked flees to Ghana, where he lives in a refugee camp, and he claims he learns to read and studies the Bible during this time. Of course he does. Uh, and he also says this is when he starts spending time face-to-face with people who had been his victims. Hmm. Who are like, what the fuck are you doing here? You're the reason that we had to leave, you know? Oh. Um, so he spends like a decade kind of hiding. Uh, in 1999, the Civil War starts up again, right? They have like three years asked at, during where there's this election and Taylor mm-hmm. wins. And then another rebel invades the same way Taylor had from like a, a oh. bordering country and tries History to house Doe. Itself. Yeah, yeah. Right? Exa- I mean, like, yeah. right, you know, this none of this should be surprising. <laughs> yeah. By 2003, at least a quarter of a million people have been killed in the two Liberian civil wars. And this has now been going like the civil wars have been going on for 14 years. Right. And then you had Doe's reign before that, which was pretty nasty. People just have nothing left in them. Um, but the war has like I say regular people, the, the warlords and the their fucking child armies. All they do is keep escalating. Um, and as kind of the year begins, Taylor is fighting for his life in the city against a siege from an opposing rebel party, just like Doe had been doing against him, right? Mm-hmm. This is like the third time this shit has happened. So it is at this point that the women of Liberia start to get seriously politically organized. Women bore the brunt of the violence in both civil wars, and there had been attempts to organize nonviolent protest campaigns earlier in the first civil war. I think one of the issues is that Muslim and Christian women have trouble like organizing together for a variety of reasons. Um, And I'm going to tell you this story, which is pretty fucking cool. But you know what else is pretty cool? Um, mm, hmm, let's see. What is it this time? Well, it's not mono. That was last episode. It's not, mono is pretty cool. <laughs> it's all the cool kids are getting it. I mean, because they're my, making honestly, out. In my high school, if you didn't get it, that means you weren't kissing anybody. I know. You know you're not. I mean? You're not. You're so, not getting any action if you're not catching yeah. mono. Right? I'm surprised I didn't. Um, no, mm-hmm. actually, no. That's a reason. Because all your I never had all it, your playering. If that's not clear. Yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah. Neither did I. I wasn't yeah. cool enough I don't think to get I'll ever mono. Have it. It's about. Makes sense. Anyway, womp womp. Go ahead. I have faith in everyone here's ability to catch mono. 
The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're back. Oh. So it is, you know, bad stuff. This has mostly been bad stuff. But now we're going to talk about some cool shit. Um, Because... All of the women in Liberia start to organize a protest campaign Yay, to force them into the ta- war. Women, let's bring women into the story, finally. So, to, they've been involved just mostly getting murdered and yeah, raped. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, now that, that they part. are going to... I mean, it's been horrible, and that's part of why this is able to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. Okay, great. So, to I'm explain excited. what happened next, I'm going to quote from an article in the Journal of International Women's Studies by Maxwell Adjay. Adjay. A-D-G-I. A-D-J-E-I. So, Mm -hmm. there you go. Engulfed in a cycle of violence and with no hope for a better future, a group of Liberian women under the leadership of Lema Gbawi came together to form the Women of Liberia Mass Action for Peace, WLMAP, to demand an immediate end to the conflict. Initially, Gabawi, a Christian social worker with the Lutheran Church, had intended the organization to include include a small group of Christian women who would meet regularly to pray for peace. However, when word spread about their meetings through the community, one Muslim policewoman, Asatu Ba Kenneth, became highly impressed with the women's vision and volunteered to mobilize Muslim women to join the movement. Following initial concerns that having Muslims in their ranks would dilute their faith, the Christian women ultimately resolved that because bullets don't pick and choose between Christian and Muslim women— (laughs) 
it would be in their interests to work together for peace. That's a very good More point. importantly, having a united front of Christian and Muslim women would send a clear message to the people of Liberia that neither the government forces, predominantly Christian, nor LURD forces, predominantly Muslim, were fighting for their religious interests. While addressing uh, WLMAP for the first time, Gabawi declared that, in the past we were silent, but after being killed, raped, dehumanized, and infected with diseases, war has taught us that the future lies in saying no to violence and yes to peace. For the thousands of women gathered, this impassioned speech by Gabawi, more than any ethnic or religious affinities, represented the level of frustration with the conflict and the extent to which they were willing to commit to bring peace to their country. So, Gabawi and her fellow organizers start holding rallies at mosques, markets, and churches. They'll do three rallies a week, one at a mosque, one at a market, one at a church. These are all like, so that they're reaching everyone, right? These are the three places everyone's going to go to at least one of these three places. Um, And they start reaching out to other women and gradually expanding the reach of their organization and demanding peace. Uh, Once they've built themselves up into a sizable organization and they'd had time to discuss a more detailed plan of action, they issued a statement condemning all sides in the Civil War for their abuses of women and children, basically saying none of you were legitimate because all of you were just massacring people, which is not an inaccurate way to analyze the Liberian Civil War. Next, quote, In defiance of President Taylor's ban on public marches, WLMAP staged its first mass protest at Monrovia's Fish Market, a location that would make the president see them on his daily commute to the office. While using radio and printed flyers to to spread word about the protest, Gabawi and her team encouraged women to show up for the protests in white clothing without any jewelry or makeup. For them, this would send a signal about their serious commitment to peace and unrelenting desire to remain independent of either side of the conflict. Heeding to their calls on the radio, over 2,500 women from different social backgrounds clad in white t-shirts showed up daily for the sit-in protests which took place over the next several weeks in each of the gatherings the women would sit dance and sing for peace while displaying placards and banners with messages such as the women of liberia want peace now we are tired we want peace no more war etc for a while taylor was able to ignore the women but their crowds kept growing larger and larger He was eventually forced to take their petition and promise his willingness to hold ceasefire talks with the rebels. They didn't consider this the end, though, and brainstormed other tactics to apply pressure. Eventually, they decided to go on a sex strike. And this is a quote again from the same document. To prevent their husbands from forcibly having sex with them, they set up safe spaces where they could stay and sleep together. After some initial setbacks, the strategy seemed to be effective as many men began to pray with their wives and demand an end to the conflict. More importantly, (laughs) the sex strike gave the campaign extremely valuable media attention outside of Liberia. Following the successes with the sex strike and President Taylor's meeting, the women turned their attention to the rebels, demanding that they too agree to attend the peace talks. Upon hearing that the warlords were meeting at a hotel in a neighboring country, Sierra Leone, a delegation of the women traveled to the country. On their arrival, the delegation was able to arrange a private meeting with the warlords and get them to commit to attending peace talks. Damn. So, women are geniuses. That was it's a pretty it's a pretty good story. Yeah. Um you know, it, it's not, there's other stuff going on, other factors working for peace, obviously, like, talk about these ceasefires and stuff have been going on for a while. It is not just this that leads to an end, but this plays a significant role in the end of the Second Liberian Civil War, um, which is pretty cool, Yeah, I think. That's, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, not that we need more evidence of this, but women smarter than men, you know what I mean? So that's just... 
Proof. This is definitely definitely a, 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 a story where the women are the ones who are much smarter. Yes. <laughs> and also very much like, have you, so Lysistrata is this old Greek play about the Peloponnesian War with the plot of, like, this is the plot of it. Like, the women in Athens decide to go on, like, a sex strike to force an end to the war. Yeah. I mean, like, um, if you think about it, if nothing else is working, you use what is uh, weaponized to you, mm-hmm. like, for your benefit, you know what I mean? Or, like, for you yeah. take advantage of what is, people see you as. It, and it's important to note, like, they have to, th- there's a lot that they have to do in order to make this work, including setting up safe spaces yeah. where they cannot get, like, the the, it, the document that I cited there, um, you should, is really worth reading. Because there's a lot more that go, like, there's a ton of organization. Yeah. This is a very involved process. Um, I'm giving you, like, really broad strokes here. Uh, so Taylor is eventually forced to resign and go into exile. International peacekeeping troops enter the country. The rebels lay down some of their arms. And, and broadly speaking, things get a lot better. There were elections and more elections. And these all eventually culminate in the election of Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, who becomes Liberia's first female president. So this is all great. Uh, mm-hmm. And things in Liberia get much better because of this. But yeah. peace is only achieved because there's with there have to be a lot of ugly compromises, right. right? So when the war ends, one side isn't crushed. Everyone's got people under arms. The country is filled with tens of thousands of men and boys who have done the things we just talked about. Yeah. Why are you doing? Yeah. Who have raped women in mass and like gunned down babies and all this kind of shit. These guys are like still around, but also... What are you going to do about it? If you start going after every individual who committed a war crime in a militia, how does that not cause another civil war? Because they're right. going to pick up guns again, and also their families are going to be pissed. The ethnic group's going to be like, well, they did what they did because that was done to us, and they were defending us. Mm-hmm. And like, it's it's a really messy problem, Very right? Messy, we yeah. have achieved peace. What do we do? To what extent can we punish the people who did bad things during the war? Mm-hmm. How, like, how, how, so this is not, they don't have a simple answer to this, but they decide to hold a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Um, and the purpose of this is to investigate the worst offenders and basically go through this list of people they know had done fucked up shit, talk to as many of them as they can, investigate it, and then decide, broadly speaking, do we pardon them or do we prosecute them? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and this is where General Butt Naked comes back into the historic oh, record. God so he's him. been he's been hiding for like a decade, you know, <sighs> hanging around. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he hears about this, uh, he shows up on day one of the hearings and wow. becomes the first warlord to testify. He admits like to of his own volition. Yeah, he shows he enters that he's not even in the country. He comes back to testify he is the first I think like the only person to to admit to war crimes on this level. Um, he admits in front of this to recruiting child soldiers, to raping women, to murdering civilians, to sacrificing babies, to everything we've talked about, he admits his personal death toll at 20,000 people. Now, that's not possible. He, he, is, in, he is effectively leading a platoon. There's like mm-hmm. 30, 40 kids that he's commanding at any given time, maybe a company at the most. There's just no way he killed a tenth of the people who died in the Liberian Civil War. Um, yeah, but this guy exaggerates, uh, right? We know that. He, he, right, right. Yeah. He's a fan. And also, uh, there's a, a Vice documentary about him, which we'll talk about in a bit. There's problematic aspects of that. <laughs> um, but some of the Liberians who were interviewed in that suggest that, well, he's not literally saying me and my forces killed 20,000, but we were the side we were working on in the period where I was oh. one of the leaders of that side killed, which is broadly plausible, right? Yeah. And, you know, so that's a thing you'll hear. Um, 
the commission did not really question him on anything. They seem to kind of be in awe of him and the fact that he's coming and admitting and that's he's like, saying that's that, like, I move. feel terrible, you know? But that's the it move. is, like, it's the you, smart move. If you, yeah. like, if you did something stupid and you immediately admit to it, there's something almost endearing about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just... Oh yeah, that's God. why I always, when I finish drunk driving my forerunner through a trailer park <laughs> and shooting an AK-47 out the window, I <sighs> always far. leave a note that says, real sorry. <laughs> And that's why everybody loves me. In the I'm just saying, parts. if y'all cheat on your partners, instead of getting caught, if you admit to it, less likely they're going to hate you. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Not the AK, whatever the shit that you just said. But yeah. also, none of this works on cops, so don't try it. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the commission does not really question him on any of this stuff. One member tells him he has good leadership qualities. They seem to just be blown away that this guy's like coming to them and just saying what right. people broadly know is true. Next, from The New Yorker, quote, Blahi's testimony was front page news in Liberia. Strangers hugged him on the streets of Monrovia, and journalists came from all over the world to interview him. The Daily Mail ran a profile under the headline, Face to Face with General Butt Naked, the Most Evil Man in the World. Vice featured Blahi in a lurid travel documentary called The Vice Guide to Liberia, which has been viewed more than 10 million times on YouTube. Bojan Jancic, the pastor of an evangelical church in the East Village, saw the video and later became one of Blahi's benefactors. Blaghi has written five books, a memoir told, titled The Redemption of an African Warlord. It was published in 2013 by a small Christian press. In the foreword, Jancic wrote, Not since the conversion of Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus have I ever heard a conversation, a conversion story more radically compelling. I'm, so, I'm, I'm trying to look him up because I need to know, again, we've talked about this before, I'm sure, on an episode I've been on, but like, if you're, you said he was charming, but if you're good looking-ish, even above average, you can get away with more shit. So I want to know what he looks like really I mean, quick. he's not, he's, 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 he's like a big dude. He's pretty like muscular. Blah, um, so it's blah so he's and not really B-L-A-H-Y-E-Y-I. He's not really my, I'm kind of more into like. Anyway, whatever. But you said um, he was charismatic, so that's probably part of it too. He's very charismatic. There's, 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 I mean, there's a reason he's conning people. I'm sure. All some, his life. I'm, sure I'm sure some. And he, when he's younger, I'm sure he's also considered yeah. more handsome. Okay, sorry. But I, I think just he's just he's visualize. a really good talker. You yeah. know, that's kind of more the the deal. Um, I guess more so, more more than attraction. That's what uh, or attractiveness. Yeah. That's what probably gets you more cons. It's the talking yeah, ability. It's the Charis being a good talker. And, yeah. Yeah. So Blahi's detractors will argue that he pretty much just parlayed his fame as the repentant warlord into a new career. Wow. Uh, charismatic and well-spoken he's been. And again, he's in this like this Vice documentary early on and it gets him a benefactor. Somebody starts wow. giving him money to like do things, to like try That's and so make things right. That's so fucked up, dude. Um, and he, 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 like right after he gets kind of famous for going to this thing, he establishes a home for former child soldiers, like a rehab home to like help them. Um, it definitely exists or it has at points. There's a vice documentary from 2011 called the, I think it's called the redemption of general butt naked. Um, and it films him and his soldiers and like, or these kids, former child soldiers. And they're all saying like, Oh, he saved my life. I would have died with, I was living on the street. He's, you know, he's, he's, he did mm -hmm. bad things, but like, you know, he's, he's our, 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 basically our father. Now he's like, he's saving us. Um, but, Interestingly, that documentary is filming him while he gets a death threat and he flees the country for Ghana. Um, and his soldiers all wind up back on the street and are like, what the fuck? He abandoned us while he lives in a hotel. So right, yeah. it, that, that, there's, there's criticisms of Vice's coverage of him, which spans a couple of pieces, but they do get that piece of his, his life. I mean, but so, then it benefited him more than anything. Like, it's, imagine this, you're in hiding and you, you, 
he he thinks of a way that not only can he get out of hiding, but he can be fucking he can benefit off of it and make money. You know what I mean? Like he he did the perfect yeah. con. He's smart. Yeah. So by the time that New Yorker article comes out, he's back to running a halfway house. He comes back to Monrovia. He starts another halfway house. He's running one again for these child soldiers in Monrovia. And this seems to be thanks. He gets the funding to do this from a white American lady named Brenda Weber, who saw the redemption of General Butt Naked, one of the Vice documentaries, and contacted him on Facebook. Now, she and oh my her God. husband own a small pharmacy. I forget pharmacy. just how modern everything is all the time mm-hmm, when you're talking mm-hmm. Facebook. So she sees this guy and she is taken by him and mm-hmm. she wants to help. And she does this like... I think a lot of white ladies do, where they decide, like, <laughs> and white dudes, uh, just white people thing, where they decide, I want to help Africa, Yeah, and this guy seems legit. Let me just give him a bunch of money to do a thing. So, yeah, they, they do this. They, they set up a halfway house um, using this lady's money. And in, in the New Yorker interview, this woman, she's getting grifted and conned out of her life savings. I also don't care too much. Uh, she says during the interview, quote, I could just tell he was genuine. I knew he wasn't the same person, that he was a totally different man. And then she would go on to say shit like this. You should see them when someone cares, especially a white woman from America. It makes them feel like they are worth something for the first time in years. Jesus Christ. This is what she's saying about like the child soldiers that she's helping to fund. Like, uh, uh-huh. a health, like uh-huh. wow, when a white woman likes them, they feel great. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't care that this lady's getting grifted. Well, um, yeah, no, me either. But also, isn't yeah. there a whole like psychological study about how serial killers or whatever, like, even if they're in jail, like women are, there's like, there's a, it's certainly a thing that ha- a number yeah. of serial killers have had like women fall in love with them. Yeah, and, I wonder what that's about. That's a bigger topic than we can get Next into Next time today. in therapy, yeah. Um, so yeah, so she's she's at this point when New Yorker writes about them, she is sending Blayi $800 a month. Uh, half of it goes to him directly for him to live on. And again, to a, a white lady living in like, you know, running a pharmacy, well, I mean, he's just, he's living off $400 a month. It doesn't sound like a lot, but that's 10 times the local wage. So that's mm. pretty good money for yeah. him. Um, the other half is supposed to go to run this home for child soldiers. Yeah, right. Um, but we'll talk about that in a second. It's also worth noting, she's spending more than 800 bucks a month. By the time the New Yorker gets to her, she says that in the first year, she ran through their entire family savings account of $40,000. And she's taken out like a $50,000 credit line in order to continue oh funding God. him. And she's... She's definitely the same kind of like really frustrating evangelical prosperity gospel shit that like Blahy is well, selling. Yeah, maybe she's she like tells redemption, the, blah, blah, Well, exactly. She tells the New Yorker, I know everything's going to be fine. You can't give and give like that and not get something in return. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hasn't told her husband she's spending <sighs> no, all her money on this. Just, and like, But like she believes, you know, you give money for God and God will make you make it right. It's just he'll, so he'll foolish, get you money back, you whatever. know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that New Yorker article makes it really clear. The Vice, the redemption of General Butt Naked Vice documentary, I actually think, and this is like not the first thing they do about him. I don't think it's, yeah. But it is, It I, I came away being like, well, this dude's a fucking con man. I guess you can kind of make either conclusion from it. It's kind of murky. I mean, um, if you are easily or like, if you have a yeah. predisposition to maybe believe religious stories about redemption or like someone that claims he found God, like maybe that's something different. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, now, the New Yorker article, though, I, I want to read another quote from it that kind of further makes that case. At one point, another resident of the house pulled me aside and told me that Blahi was misappropriating the program's money for his own benefit. The administration is run by his entire family, and no one really questions it. Sometimes, the young man added, the residents of the house went without breakfast, or their meals consisted of plain rice with salt and pepper. When Western reporters arrive, Blahi and his staff say, okay, stand in front of this camera and tell the man, we are Joshua Blahi beneficiaries, but what have I benefited? When one of the residents texted Weber to report that they weren't being fed breakfast, she started sending an additional $300 a month. Blaghi hadn't told her about the problem, she believed, out of concern for her finances. I wholeheartedly trust Joshua, she went on. If he ever makes a mistake, it's not willfully. Well. Now, that con has been successful in a lot of foreign journalists. Uh, the linchpin of his entire act, though, the me- thing that he makes sure to do whenever he's interviewed, is find one of the people he victimized and ask them to forgive him on camera. Now, there are some of these people who he's, like, helped in one way, he's given them money, and he has, like, good relations with them. Um, but it is really ugly, and a lot of them haven't, and he'll, like, harass them on camera to demand, like, he'll say stuff like, you have to forgive me. And I want to play a clip from one of these moments. He's This is a woman, he murdered her brother in front of her. Um, so... It's like, does he think they're less likely to say, I mean, yeah, that's, that's probably what he's thinking. Just, like, they're less likely wa- to say watch no. It and, okay. Watch it and watch her face. Okay. Like, this is from 2011. 2011. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I beg you. <laughs> Forgive me. No, no, don't just go like that. I beg you. I beg you, sir. I kill your brother out of madness. But please, I will be able to play the brother for you. I may not, I'm not be able to do everything that your brother can do. But I will stand there whenever you need a brotherly counsel. If whenever you need a brotherly protection, try to call on me. I beg you, please. So the whole time this has happened, because if you just hear what he's saying, it may sound okay. She is turning away and trying to get away from him. And he is repeatedly standing in front of her and stopping her from leaving while he says all this. And there are people in the background like nodding along to what he's saying, too. He's not letting her go when she wants to leave. There's no part of her that wants anything what he's saying. Like there's a moment that like where her eyes just like are so dead and just staring off. He's like, I can be your brother. She's like... I'm out of here. That's uh, yeah. yeah. She's also cornered with a camera in her face too. Yeah, cornered exactly. With the camera in that's her not face. Fair. Yeah, it's it's pretty gross. So yeah, that's the episode. There's more to say about the Liberian Civil War. Charles Taylor just got sentenced to prison. By the way, he's one of the people who does not get like they rec- the this truth and reconciliation thing recommends prosecution. Right. Um. He goes to the um. Uh, the International uh, Criminal Court, uh, and he's, yeah, uh, he does a whole, he does a whole thing, and he gets sentenced to, like, 50 years in prison. Um, So that's good. I guess. Uh, I mean, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, like, fuck him. He shouldn't be allowed to just retire. It's good. It's good. It's good when war criminals get punished for being war criminals. Yes. I feel mixed about Blakey, where... He's not doing nothing, and there's definitely people who, at least on camera, will say that, like, he's helped them, he's helped them after the war and stuff, but he's also, like, he goes to all these revival meetings, he's, like, raising money, and it's questionable where it goes, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I'm not going to tell the Liberians one way or the other. This is how you should handle the aftermath of your civil war. I mean, so, that's but also, fair, but like... This, this guy is a pretty familiar kind of grifter. 
I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I and usually these grifters somehow are able to live a long life just c- continuing some type of grift. And like, look at him now. He's like, he's only 50. He has a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's. He's doing great. Yeah. He's doing great. All things considered, he fucking, he won. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know who else wins, Shireen? Mm-hmm. Who? Everyone who listens to your plugs. That's correct, Robert. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Uh, you can follow me if you want on the internet. Twitter is ShiroHero666 and Instagram is just ShiroHero. I have some poetry books out that you can buy if you want and uh, a podcast as well. Uh, ethnically mm-hmm. ambiguous. And that's about, that's that's enough for today. Yay. <laughs> All right. Motherfuckers, that's the episode. Bye. So get get out of here. Thanks for get having me. Bye. Go home. Also, uh, Robert, I do yo. think we bonded on this episode. Do you feel it? We had oh, like yeah. that discussion about mm-hmm. whatever the fuck that was. Yeah, that I was do. like that was a conversation that we just happened to record. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was that was. You wanna you wanna smoke weed and listen to King Crimson? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye. Behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.